It's time for lunch. Welcome to the Lunch Crew Gaming Podcast. All right. This is great. All right. This is crap. Let's change it. Let's change it. Yeah, welcome to the uh, Lunch Crew Gaming Podcast. Where let's see how this goes. Hopefully, everyone likes it. So recently, uh, Burt Reynolds died. Mm-hmm. If you had to make a Smokey and the Bandit game, mm-hmm. what would you do? Uh, I would probably uh, outsource it. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, uh, that is a that is the correct answer. Right. Um, right. Yeah. No. Uh, that, that's I would I would do a tabletop. A tabletop is uh, a throwback to the 80s, the late 70s and 80s. Oh, very true. Yep. So, yeah, definitely would be pen and paper. We did cheat a little and talk about this offline a little bit. And I think the idea of uh, making it like a Car Wars or an Auto Duel style game would be the way to go, you know, with the, the road maps. And uh, you have the rig and you have the, the chaser car and, and then you have the police. And I would think that one person gets to be bandit. The other players are all police. And... Uh, Take a little bit of tales from the vulgar unicorn, or the no, it's wait, the floating vagabond. Doesn't matter. What it, it's, it was a pen and paper game okay. that I think I'm the only person who's ever played it. And there was a character <laughs> class where the character class was nothing could be done normally. Everything had to be done over the top. You know, like you just don't walk into a room, you crash through the window, or or you swing from nice. a chandelier. You know, everything is just a movie cliche. And I think the more cliches you do as the bandit, gives you more points to. Um, make it more difficult for the the smoky players to do simple things you know they get they get disadvantages on on rolls to make you know they're going 60 miles per hour under around a specific turn you know and they have difficulty rolls to you know stuff like that the more the bandit player is outrageous the more difficulty smokies have because the whole point of the game is for the the police to to not necessarily win and but i mean it's definitely possible for them to win you know uh and that's basically up to the bandit player to yeah uh, you you want it to be challenging of course right right i mean there's a lot of games that are really punishing of the players now and that's Mm -hmm. more acceptable but at the same time if there's zero chance of winning it's no one wants to play right Right. Thinking of that, there's got to be a way where if the big rig is somehow gets on the radar of the police, that gives the police a chance to win more so than going after Bandit. Well, of course, Bandit has a chance to lose that way as well. And Bandit has specific tasks that they have to do. Because remember, uh, if you watch the movie, there was a lot of times where he would stop at a uh, choking yeah, puke or... Yeah. or you know, pick up the the bride and uh, yep, you know all these the girl. things yeah. in in multiple ways and and you toss that in and I don't know maybe maybe even the truck driver should could be a, a player but I don't think so I think that should just be you know as the game goes along or as you're on the I guess we could do it even as a board a lot of board games you know if you have four players you have three Smokies and one Bandit if you had seven you'd have a Bandit you'd have the trucker whose name I can't even remember and then the rest are you know Smokies or something like that Snowman yes Snowman yeah. that's Snowman. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Snowman. Buford T. Justice. I'm going to go home yep. and smack yep. your mama in the um, mouth. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so for uh, anyone younger listening who's never heard of Auto Duel, which is a video game based on Car Wars, uh, just think the, uh, if you saw Mad Max Fury Road, just think the car chase. 
Um, that's pretty much exactly what those are. But with guns. Yeah, with a, a well, with car-mounted guns. It honestly was one of the first tabletop role-playing games I ever had, and it's yeah. barely a role-playing game. It's like a strategy like, um, board game. Oh, precursor. Yeah, it was a precursor to a war game. Uh, to, yeah, that, to, that was uh, Steve Jackson, right? Like yep, Steve Jackson Games, who I met once. Without oh, nice. Yeah, it was at a, I can't remember which convention it is in New Jersey that's big. It's not Dragon Con, uh, back in the early 90s. And we were running uh, Car Wars as a throwback. I mean, it, it hadn't been popular for many years. And so we had a, a room full of players and myself and my friends, we were the, the referees. And we were walking around as everyone was playing Car Wars. And this dude walks up and he's like, oh, what's this? And I'm like, oh, it's Car, War, Car Wars. It's an oldie, but a goodie. And he's like, oh, yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> he walks away. I love that. Yeah, and this, I would totally do that. I would to- so totally do just like that. But the best part. Like, yeah, this game sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I, it was one of, it's one of my favorite games. It really is. Uh, and, and I haven't played it in 20 years. But anyway, this guy who was playing just turns to me and he's got his eyes are like saucer plates. And he grabs me and he says, do you know who that was and i'm like no it was some dude he's like that was steve jackson he made this game nice yeah it was it was yeah one of those uh those moments but uh, anyway yeah i mean you know you can both make it a, a pen and paper game but you know now that we're talking it through i I really think a board game might with cards that in dice rolls that that say percentage points. And the idea is just like, you know, the Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah. Just like, yeah, yeah. Uh, just throw police cars. And there's points for making ridiculous things happen for both the Smokies and the Bandits or the Bandit. You know, we could take a, a page off of Werewolves uh, box, like you said, and as the more players are added, more characters are added that are yep. played. And uh, yeah. yeah. So. Okay. No. That's easy. How, um, how would you do it? I I almost initially want to say a VR game, but I don't I don't really think it would transition that well. I just don't think VR is really the best medium for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I would I would pretty much do like what you said, just kind of like a Car Wars style uh, board game. Role playing game would be neat. Like you said, you could do a lot more of over the top kind of uh, movie tropes, action things. Uh, I would probably use my you know my stock of uh, Savage Worlds just because it's easy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how that would actually translate as far as having players be the uh, Smokies and a player being the Bandit, which is always kind of the problem when you try and adopt a lot of games like that because the story itself is centered around one or two people, and it's really hard to include a table of like four people in on that without making the players feel unimportant or peripheral. So That's true. That's true. I mean, there there is mechanics that could be tossed into the, the, the idea of each officer is a different type you got the sheriff's deputy you've got the statey you've got the local you could do stuff like that but that adds a level of complexity that a, that a board game i think would just you're either a cop or you're you're the cop or the robber you're a good guy or you're a bad guy and yeah well in today's uh environment of gaming though those would all be stretch goals right oh we added a state level trooper and we added a federal marshal character i see though that's not a state that that's not a stretch goal that's like a, a fundamental aspect of the game you know you get the different types of cops and you have the, how they interact with each other because even in the movie the local flipped out at buford buford was a was a sheriff deputy from a or sheriff from a different state entirely outside of his jurisdiction as he went on his car got crappier and crappier and crappier yeah it just there's i don't know stretch goals for that would be you know yeah well i just mean if you're doing it as a board game right it it would probably be a kickstarter or an indiegogo or something like that but yeah that's kind of what i I imagine a lot of games would do these days kind of thing yeah well you've you've got my imagination fired i think we should really (laughs) really put this together uh, yeah. At a side note, for those listening, 
uh, Ken and I did demo, put together a demo for a uh, a game got insanely complicated, uh, but we still were able to play a little bit of it. So we we've we've done this before. Speaking of, speaking of, what have we done before? Ken, why are we doing this? We are doing this because Patrick is really good at following the script. Um, <laughs> no, we are doing this. No, no, not right now in the conversation, but why are we doing this podcast? Right. It's one of those things where if you're a gamer and you have a bunch of friends that are gamers, you end up having a lot of interesting conversations, I think, right? Just about gaming in general. Mm-hmm. And it, as it turns out, a lot of us like to listen to other people on the internet, you know, basically their podcasts and whatnot. We want to share the conversations that I've had with other people, with others, you know, maybe, uh, maybe we end up building something out of it a little bit of maybe my retirement gig when I retire, <laughs> which is uh, a quick side note. Uh, we've been doing this for a little bit, not as long as like Steve Jackson and them, but yeah, well, we're getting older. Um, and, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, Hey, I see second generation gamers and now I'm starting to see third generation gamers and my friends. And it's really kind of interesting from my personal viewpoint. So it's basically just trying to assemble conversations, share them with others. Hopefully people get a laugh out of it and enjoy it. Fair enough. Why, why are you here, Patrick? Well, because you ask me and I don't have any friends. So, you know, <laughs> one-to-one it worked out nice. No, seriously, I, we, we like you said, we, we talk, well, our friends, we very much, all of us are extremely opinionated on what makes a good game. And that's not just video games. That's just pen and paper. That's board games, everything. That's we, we have our strong feelings about it. And what's fascinating to me in our circle of friends is that we, though each of us have our preferences, we all are able at one time or another to agree on what is fun. And disagree sometimes, but in a well, constructive format, I like to think. <laughs> sometimes less than, than others. But no, I mean, at the end of the day, we are able to sit down and have fun together personality conflicts aside or anything like anytime you get to a group of people together you're always going to have somebody who's like you know sticking in your ear but at the same time we can also say that and have fun playing any game together uh even if it's not necessarily our cup of tea so taking that and then applying it to you and i who we both see issues in modern gaming but we still enjoy it and and uh, we are still able to talk and, and even though we may say the problem is x or y we both say there is a problem or there is something we'd like or there is something we don't like and we may have slightly different takes on it so that's why i'm here with you to talk about games and the other reason is is because we're of a similar age we're of a similar build and yeah. uh, <laughs> uh body by gaming ladies and gentlemen body that's by gaming. right yep yep uh many many years of practice got me to this uh, this size so yeah i think I, i'm here because i enjoy talking with you and uh um and I, I enjoy the way you look at things now here's the most important thing ken has actually been on a team making a video game now he's gonna he's gonna before he says anything he's gonna downplay his place on it but that's way more than i've ever done God damn it. so he worked on a mod i've not I've played a mod. That's where he comes from. He's got a little bit more industry cred than I do. So that's why I'm here. Yeah. I see here. I am downplaying it, right? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I I worked on a mod team for an Unreal Engine 2004 mod for a while. Yeah. uh, The mod ended up going retail. I ended up working as a contractor for that retail product. And then after that, I basically went back and worked on a mod for uh, that game, uh, independent of the contracting. Uh, During that process, 
I learned that being a full-time video game developer for the love of it is harder than it, than you think. Uh, I have a great appreciation for people that are able to do that and hold down a, you know, a regular full-time job to actually pay the bills. So major kudos to every game developer out there ever. Uh, the hardest part is getting published. It really is. So even if you have a small game, but yeah, man, getting, getting published is probably the hardest part of any game. And if you can publish any game, you're probably past 75% of other, you know, developers out there. So. Well, that's definitely, I think something we should put on a, a future podcast and, and, uh, to discuss, uh, the issues in the industry as we see it and solutions as we see it again, you know, yeah, absolutely. Older male gamers. <laughs> that is definitely something I think, cause again, I, I think we, you and I both have unique views on it. Taking that, what, what are your goals, the future of this podcast? What, what do you, what do you want to do with this from here on out? Ken? Well, I, we're just thinking again, conversations, uh, probably start roping some more people in right now. This episode is just Patrick and I talking. It's the inaugural episode. So bear with us, widen the conversation and, uh, hopefully amuse a bunch of people, uh, myself included. <laughs> right. And, and Patrick included, we, we run the gambit. We're, we're gamers. We're, we do video games. We do board games. We do tabletop role-playing games. Patrick, I think you were talking about even doing a uh, online role-playing mm -hmm. game, which I'm not sure if that's a thing I, I could ever personally do. I have but, done it. Uh, it just added it is us, a so. It is a different animal entirely, and uh, the limitations of online gaming, simply put, are what we're doing right now with the, with the, the podcast aspect. It's the voice. It's the, you know, how do you keep, yep. you know four, five, six, seven people in line when everyone wants to chat or talk, which on the table is no problem. You get two people, they lean over and they, they say what they need to say. But when everybody has the same level of volume, it's very difficult. And the signal to noise ratio in an online gaming things, online role-playing game system is very interesting. It's very exciting. There's, there's so much possibility we could talk about in a future episode yep. of, uh, of this podcast. Absolutely. It's a great idea. Well, uh, let's talk about our history. What do you think? Yeah. So, uh, how long have you been a gamer, Patrick? Well, uh, that's a great question. I was born in 76. My dad was an aerospace engineer and my centennial baby. That was me. And, yep. uh, from then on, you know, from a very young age, uh, there was, uh, I don't want to say entertainment systems cause we had a trash 80. We had the Atari. I mean, that was the Nintendo post crash. You know, we did all the we had all the systems and my dad could have been a hardcore gamer. And uh, I just found out from my sisters that one night he and my mother, as soon as the Atari came in, they sat up until four o'clock in the morning on a work night playing space invaders to the point where my dad could barely stand up to go to work. And he swore from that Ooh. point on never again. So yeah, I mean, that's uh, so I, I've, I've had almost every Nintendo system in order. I did not get the uh, 64. Uh, you're, you're a Nintendo nerd. Well, I then traded a Super Nintendo for a PlayStation. Had the PlayStation, which I then traded for a Dreamcast. Wow, okay. Yeah. Keep it yeah. real. Yeah, I think it was a PlayStation or PlayStation 2. I can't remember. And then from the Dreamcast, I stayed in the PlayStation side, wandered over to the Xbox because you could mod it, Xbox 360, PlayStation 3. Now I have... Uh, PS4, PCs, a uh, whole mess of PCs because I've got a gaming family. Uh, Switch had the 360, did not go to the X-Bone, even though uh, I live in Washington. Now, that's my video gaming cred. Paper gaming, like I said earlier, uh, was uh, 
Car Wars. That got me into it. Then Dungeons and Dragons. Actually, Dungeons and Dragons was in the house because my sister played, and uh, so I, I was exposed to it at a very what? Young... Yeah, yeah. My a, sister... a female gamer back then in early 1980s. Yeah, she and her friends played, and uh, what what a great great thing to expose a kid to is just this the swords and sorcery and trying to outsmart each other and just wow. So that started that, and then Car Wars came about, and I never was a gearhead. But Boy, howdy, did I enjoy the idea of shoot 'em ups and uh, oh, yeah, so car was right up your alley, right? But then, but the other thing, the other thing that really was cool about it was this world that was built around car wars. You had Uncle Uncle Albert's uh, munitions guide, and it was like a catalog, yep, and it was written with that idea of a catalog, and, and uh, yeah, yeah so the, the first flat books, and yep, you know, stuff like yep. that, yeah, it was great, and so that was there, and then in uh the end of middle school and high school, I jumped into a, a gaming group and was very lucky to be a part of a, a reoccurring over four years, a reoccurring campaign that finished up, well, three years, three years, it finished up my junior year when the other players who were seniors were able to. So that was the first time to go from start to finish in a, a shared story environment in second edition Dungeons and Dragons, which should tell you that it was pretty difficult. And then from there, you know, I had the World of Darkness, which was the, you know, White Wolf and, uh, the vampire at that point i was working um with some guys who who now make video games or did make video games uh, in the uh, on the west coast side uh, a couple of them actually uh wrote source material for gurps at a very young age gurps being the generic universal role-playing system you know these guys were in high school writing up source books on 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 how to play specific styles inside GURPS. And they were professionally printed. You know, they were they were source books, actual, not like fan books, but with the byline from Steve Jackson Games. And uh, nice. yeah, it was very cool. Um, don't want to name drop them, though they, they do live out here. Uh, I'll ask if one of them might be interested. But uh, yeah, so, you know, I got exposed to all that aspect of stuff and, and then uh, worked conventions, uh, Call of Cthulhu, you name it. I played it, Paranoia. Yeah, just pen and paper, man, is a blast. And I've been DMing, GMing, and storytelling uh, off and on for, for many, many years. And currently, to wrap this up, to give it to you, Ken, I have a crew that meets every two weeks. And we go through uh, a D&D 5e home version of, uh, it's not quite steampunk, it's more Venetian punk. Like, what would have happened had the steampunk genre started right before the Renaissance? End of feudalism, right before, you know, the rise of the middle class, what would that help, you know, just to see what would happen because not everything is about queen victoria right absolutely you know and and you have you have this oh you're going to get me started on this but you have this whole idea <laughs> of technology in and of itself rushing forward not just an economic you know industrial but economics and religious and this whole concept what would happen if you shove that into a fantasy world i'm walking the crew through so what what about you what's your history mr ken uh you know i was a commodore person way back when the commodore first came out i think it was like 83 you had to type in your own programs because you copied them literally out of magazines like old mm -hmm. compute mm -hmm. so yeah um, two three four hours of work just to play a 20 minute game yep and then and if you're lucky you saved on to a cassette tape and it <laughs> took you 30 minutes to load it back off the cassette uh -huh. tape so i started back in uh, video gaming around the same time uh yeah my brother introduced me to uh the dungeons and dragons and just kind of opened the world. And actually, I didn't really play any tabletop role-playing games from my early, early episode, uh, early, early days until like way later, like uh, high school. Um, so I basically went from elementary school to high school without playing tabletop role-playing games. Fell in with a bunch of friends who also played it in high school. Because do I want to talk somebody about role-playing games 
because it's kind of a nerdy thing, especially more so back then. Uh, now I have 20 something <laughs> uh, friends who I game with and they're proud. They announce it. They go to bars and start talking to girls with like, hey, you want to hear about my D&D character? And that would never pass back when well, we 30 were 30 years ago. Back. Absolutely not. But now you can say, hey, you want to see my 20 sided collection? It's, uh, uh, you know. Yeah. And if it was an interesting 20 sided, like, you know, you got some dwarven dice or something like that. That actually might impress somebody that that might get you a date. Just because that that's changed so much, and we can talk about that another episode. Yeah, and then uh, board games. I mean, we had the the standard, you know, Milton Bradley fair life and all that. And uh, there's something about that that just wasn't. It was it was easy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the very simple rules. Yep. You know, once I was introduced to role playing games, there was just like, hey, imagination. And then I started delving more and more uh, in the high school area when I started hanging out with uh, other gamers again. More and more crunchy rule sets. So super crunchy board games uh, like Supremacy comes to mind. You know, I got like all the expansion sets. I was like, bring me more. Bring me as much crunch as you can get. I want all these rules. I want a super technical game system. And uh, as I got older, I don't have time for that anymore. (laughs) Like I have so many game systems that are super crunchy that I bought over the years. I've always wanted to play, but I've never gotten around to playing. And now I just have no interest in playing anymore. Like aftermath was is a good example of that. I I loved the the feel of aftermath. You know, horrible post apocalyptic real world. You're probably gonna die. Uh, Mad Maxy kind of world. You know, with like thirty thirty hit locations and all this other stuff can happen if you get hit in a place. And then uh, yeah, I just don't have time for that. Anymore. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I'm more of a Savage Worlds guy now. Uh-huh. I'm here to roll dice and drink beer yeah. a lot of times yeah. when I game. Yep. But then video games, uh, yeah, as I mentioned before, I did a little bit of uh, work trying to, you know, doing some Unreal Engine games, a lot of work. Uh, and then after that, I'm just kind of just just a player now, man, just playing games. Uh, one of my favorite games I like to joke with my gamer friends about is I love to play Farm Simulator because it's just driving in a straight line. And it's very zen. I have spanned the, the girth of the gaming industry from fast-paced first-person shooters to developing games to casual driving a straight line simulators. I'm, I'm all over, man. Um, as far as like tabletop and board games, uh, I, again, I have a very wide breadth of uh, what I like to enjoy. Um, some games I'm like, I would never actually play this. Actually, we have a um, mutual friend in uh, Colorado. Last time I met him, uh, he brought over some games that I would never buy based on the name of the game on the shelf. I think Scarlet Letter we played, mm-hmm. yeah. which yeah. I was like, I don't really see myself as playing a game about a wooing people with Scarlet Letters and a romance game, but it's not. But, you know, It's actually a game about strategy. So I enjoyed that game. I would probably never buy that game based on title alone. Well, that, that shows the... that to world domination games, you know, the, the whole gambit. Uh, I've done some tabletop miniatures briefly, Babylon 5 Wars. Oh, wow. Big fan of that system. That was a super crunchy system. It was good stuff, man. If you ever played like the old Star Trek Bridge Simulator tabletop war game, that's uh, very much a similar kind of game. You got to like micromanage your ships and stuff. So no, I never, never played that the board game, but we did play Artemis, which is a shared yes. PC game. And you and I, I think you and I played. Yeah, no, we did it in person. Uh, well, did did we also play the uh, bridge simulator in VR? I don't remember this. So the actual Star Trek bridge simulator. I cannot remember if we actually got around to playing that in VR. Uh, we have it. We should probably get together and play it sometime. Yeah. I know you had a couple other people that you were thinking about getting together with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
it is a if you've played it probably with with other people right or is it uh... Uh, actually no i have never <laughs> played actually i think i've only played one actual game of the star trek bridge simulator oh it's um, it's a lot of fun especially if you got people who jump into it again it's vr now okay all right that's gonna take me down a whole nother train here but vr is the possibility of mixing pen and paper with video games and that to me is extremely exciting so but uh you know you were talking about how you wouldn't buy a specific game based on name or just uh a quote-unquote curb appeal and uh the kind of touch i wanted to say this real quick uh but i didn't get a chance to jump in that's the real great part of having friends who don't necessarily uh view games the same way you do they they, they bring you into a a world that you probably would never have touched and they're like trust me it's cool let's play it and again scarlet letter was a lot of fun you know um yeah it was it was fast it was good strategy when patrick and i were playing at his place we had a bunch of uh, other mutual friends over at his place he hosted kudos to him he keeps trying to drag us all back out there yeah, um where i live is awesome yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we had a bunch of basically gamer friends, and uh, some of them were not necessarily board game type gamers. Um, we all know each other from video gaming, uh, so it was great to actually play a, a game style that we never really played with a bunch of people that we, you know, mostly knew from online. And it was it was really cool. Uh, I recommend if you're kind of the kind of person who uh, has like your big wild clan or something like that with people that you've known for many many years. Try and get together, play some different kind of games. Don't just talk about WoW. Oh yeah, get some yeah. diversity. And and if you if you're the person pushing it, be like Jake, our mutual friend, and and uh, be excited, be super excited about the game you're playing, and that just adds a whole nother level to it. Because you know, Jake loves board games, card games. It doesn't actually. He loves games. Oh yeah, and absolutely. Him bringing this game, he's like, no, 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 no. Don't worry about the name. Don't worry about the name. This is a lot of fun. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And he's right, but. Of course there's a lot of hilarity to come into it well, you know if you're losing all of a sudden you know this game sucks thanks jake you know and it's just yeah, uh, yeah. of course and that's i guess the the thing that we can both say from our seventy thousand years of gaming experience is that games have brought us together even the, the single player games say the single player video games or, or whatnot have brought us because you can always say oh man what did you do in king's quest how did you get by this part or commander keen man did you did you were you able to get to the to this point or how'd you get up to that point or man have you heard about doom you know or castle wolfenstein or moving on to, oh yeah and then mmos and and then uh on weekends you're rolling dice and on weekdays after school you're you're all slaying zones and everquest together or or shooting up wake island you know and it's just it's just fantastic and, and you know we could go on a whole thing ken about the difference in our generation we're the first generation that was the post tv generation yep my parents generation the 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 boomers and whatnot they're the they're the post radio and you know they're the ones that shake their fists and say kids are less social today and i'm gonna tell you i don't think so you know the we're not all out in the porch dope but well i mean i think we can probably bring this back to a uh, a whole full episode talking about this <laughs> yeah it's true uh, it, it's changed right mm -hmm. Every, everything changes mm -hmm. um some of it's kind of the same some of it's not uh and i'll 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 really try and hold my thoughts on that for because uh, I think we could probably yeah. I think we could probably do an hour just on just that. on that alone and I, I you know yeah. it's a it's one of those things I think where two, the two of us are going to be along the same lines but there's going to be distinctions that the two of us hold differently which should you dear listener keep you attached and interested into what we're going to talk about it because you know we do agree on a lot but we also disagree 
on a lot as well. And, and, uh, you know, we, when we were coming up with names to this thing, we were thinking, all right, do we want to be the grumpy gamers? No, there's already that, you know, there's, it's very easy to, to be like, this game sucks, but it's very difficult to be like, this game sucks because of this reason. Or yes, I don't like this game, but I should, or I should like this game, but I don't or anything along those lines there's things that ha- take us out of the magic of a game whether it's a tabletop or a board game or you know we th- we could do reviews of video games you know and that would be our whole podcast we'll say okay next week we're going to be talking about the secret of monkey island and then you know we'll talk about yep. what we liked and we didn't like about it or here's the whole oeuvre of the dead souls games you know the bloodborne dark souls the demon yeah, souls the, the- and we could talk the brutal technical fighting games right. yeah yeah and and we could talk about what's good about them and what's bad about them and that's the interesting thing yes ken and i have played video games yes you could find anyone else out there who's played video games and have opinions but we try our best to say why and uh yes and why we feel this way and uh it doesn't alter the it's just because we don't like a game doesn't mean we can't see the the fact there's uh, joy to be had in them and uh Yep. As I've uh, mentioned before to you, Patrick, there's a lot of games uh, that I don't like because of things I don't like, not that they're good or bad games. Um, There's also games that are generally good games and there's like one or two things that just ruin it for me. Yep. A lot of a lot of console to PC ports are that way. I'm just like I uh, uh, the only console I had in as a kid was an Atari 2600, and that joystick <laughs> is a way different controller than any controller they have now for like Xbox, PlayStation's, <laughs> Nintendo, uh, the Switch. Man. So I have a really hard problem doing multiple things with my fingers, trying to like right mouse button, D pad, left trigger. I, I don't do key combinations really well with my hands, so I really automatically do not like any game that is a console port to PC without uh, doing a PC style uh, control schema remap because uh, it's just the combos get me and I just can't do them. Uh, They frustrate me. So, Yep. yep. I understand. All right, well, let's wrap it up. What have we learned today, Ken? Uh, I have learned uh, you are an old man and so am I. Um, you didn't know that we, before have you seen I me say, try to get up off of the floor that's that's the first clue that i'm old i've i've fallen and i can't get up <laughs> i'll just this is my life now we learned that oh what we did we learn trying to do a south park uh today stan we learned <laughs> today we learned that we're grumpy and we're, and we're committing to doing a podcast um and then hopefully people enjoy it Man, it was really hard not to keep going on that Smokey and the Bandit idea and just like start fleshing that sucker out. Oh, yeah, that would have been the whole podcast talking about, okay, now, see, this is what we would do uh, with the cards. And these are the different types. Yeah, okay, we can very easily end this whole podcast talking about uh, how how we could do that. And, And, you know, I don't necessarily think that we were too far off together on the idea. I think we both agree a board game. Um, Yep. We definitely would have uh, different characters, uh, but I really do think having a whole mess of police officers or the different type of police and the and the bandit, and then I really like the idea of. Have you ever played? Um, to bring it back there, is we're gonna we're gonna do a quick summary. Con- uh, yeah, you know of this. Uh, do you ever play one of the Forbidden Island or Forbidden Desert? I have not played it. I have seen a uh, certain Star Trek celebrity play it ah, on his uh, yeah. YouTube channel. Right. That's Will Wheaton. For right. anyone who doesn't know who I'm talking about, mm-hmm. because you live in a hole um which would puzzle me is how how you found our podcast but go ahead yes so i've seen him play it so 
Well, the, the concept was is that there's a there's a natural disaster that moves around based on card pools and stuff like that, or you know that would be the the rig the 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 beer delivery would be basically controlled by card pools and, and right. you know it's just there's so much that can be done that that is chance and so much can be done based on what you pull and what of the what are the downfalls of board games that use cards like that is that if you play it more than once you know the cards you know what's going to happen so yeah. maybe there's a way and we could talk about this down the road but maybe there's a way where we can make situational card pools if this then this so yeah well i mean mm, yeah absolutely i i agree absolutely we can probably talk about that so here's here's a running thing running bit that we're going to do with our guests and i'm going to hit you with it this week you can get me next week but this week okay Ken, what what is your favorite video game Oh, so my favorite video game right now. Well, my favorite video game of all time is actually going to be uh, Ultima 7. Uh, it was, I grew up on the Ultima franchise, mm -hmm. the graphic updates and stuff like that. And then on 7, after 6, it was just, it was like at the time when it came out, it was just amazing graphics. It was well written. Uh, it was an interesting gameplay. Uh, it had expansions, which was not necessarily a given back then. And the expansions were also good. It was just, it was just really well done, and that is probably my all-time favorite video game. Uh, if someone has to sit down and ask me, what is my all-time favorite video game? Going from non-video games, oh, so oh, oh, you're uh, jumping it, you're jumping it. To I am, I, I am. It's ask, almost like we're looking at the same Google Doc. Be, it might be, but what is? So I have to ask, what is your favorite non-video game game? When I when I tabletop again, uh, I mentioned it earlier. I pretty much like default to Savage Worlds because it's it's easy. Uh, like I said, I used to be very crunchy, and now I like not being crunchy because now I'm enjoying more the experience of being at the table versus the actual mechanics of the game. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one reason why for like role playing games I like Savage Worlds. For board games, oh, what is my all time favorite board game? You know, I really don't have an opinion on this. Lots of board games. Again, kind of kind of because it's more about the social experience for me. So there's some games I like for certain things. Oh, it's not Coup, but it's set in the Coup universe. It's like uh, if you played Secret Hitler or, or the uh, adaptation Secret Palpatine, it's it is like that where it's a two teams. One team is lying to the other. Werewolf is, is pretty much the founder of all this kind of stuff. Uh, some other games earlier on. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. But so I like that as a social game. And then there's other like, you know, for more technical board games and playing a lot of Dark Souls recently because a friend of mine has it still waiting on his all, all his expansions. So I'm, I'm pretty ambiguous as board games. There's a couple I don't like. I can't even remember the name of them. Because they're like in the 90s, late 90s, there was some board game it was about a space station. It was just a terrible, unfun economic simulator and I, no one wanted to play it. So, all right then, that's fair enough. It's, it's yeah. really difficult not to toss in my opinions on this. I'll wait till till next week for you to, to come back. And sure, this, but sounds good. Uh, we can always do it now if you want. No, 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 no. Let's let's keep this let's keep this going. Where where this is, we ask uh, we ask first us, and then any guests that we might have these three questions. And yep, the last one is number three. What are you looking forward to, either in a video game or tabletop? or even movies or state of the world. What, what are you looking forward to right now? Episode one, what is the thing that uh, gets you up in the morning in related to gaming? Oh, okay. 
<laughs> the thing that gives me up in the morning is my alarm clock most of the time. Usually it's and my bladder. first cup of coffee in the day. Food, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's time to take my pills. Um, yep. yep. <laughs> and not little blue pills. That's for, yeah, that's later. Um, yeah, notice how quiet it got over here on this side of the state of the, the nation. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, so what, what's coming up new in video gaming? Um, I I will joke about it, but the uh, new Farming Simulator 2019 is looking pretty nice. Uh, that's a franchise that has not been high on the graphical front because it's a simulator farm. Or the driving. physics front, to be honest with you. Oh, <laughs> uh, the physics in that game are hilarious. It's very casual. You don't expect anything from it. It'll screw you up, but if you liked a goat simulator and you wish you could drive a tractor in a straight line more, you should get Farm Simulator. That's pretty much it. Uh, oh, what I'm looking forward to in uh, tabletop board gaming is I got on the Trogdor Burnination board game Kickstarter, so no I am kidding. Going to be looking for my copy of that coming in the near future. Is that from uh, the the guys who made Homestar Runner? It is. It is absolutely Brothers from Chapman? them. Um, Yes, it is from the Brothers Chapman, and they blew their kickstarting goal so far out of the water. Uh, I am very happy for them, and uh, I mean, they, they had some pretty sweet upgrades uh, that you could get, like, you know, nice gaming boards and stuff like that. Um, oh, you, I, it's probably still not too late to order it, dear listener. If you're interested, you can look up the Trogdor board game from the Brothers Chapman. They are not a sponsor. Maybe they will be. Who knows? But yeah, it's a it, but it's a very simple kind of game. Uh, kind of more threw my money behind it because I got much enjoyment from Homestar Runner. So I really hope that they uh, it's very successful. I wish them the best. Trogador, <laughs> consummate V's, man, consummate V's. Yes, consummate V's. Uh, <laughs> on a, a quick segue, I'm really impressed that they've been able to keep their franchise going for as long as it has because that is a that is a pretty wizened internet franchise right there oh yeah so yeah it was very exciting not that long ago uh they had an update to uh home star uh, runner and it was uh it was well aware i guess they had updated all their flash stuff to work with uh html5 uh, it, and yep uh, yeah, it's very very exciting which is good because uh flash <laughs> oh done yeah, defender dun. of the universe right yeah. that also not... should show our age yes that right there that movie was so good oh yeah that movie really was Brian so good blessed man it wouldn't pass today but it was so good that's right up there uh, i would have to say buckaroo Banzai is probably just a yes. little little higher on the list for me jonathan big bootay yeah it's big bootay <laughs> big bootay <laughs> Yes, but that is a that is a much more seriously produced film, um, uh, well, even though it is a comedic film. Which one? Wait, wait, but, wait, wait, wait. Uh, oh, Buckaroo Banzai. I, I don't know. I would say the set pieces in Flash Gordon were um, of a different level than the set pieces in uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, that is true. Uh, Buckaroo Banzai was more of a situational set place. Like there was, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we could probably go go look into it. But uh, I, I, it was just a different artistic design feel you know buck rogers not buck rogers flash gordon sorry buck rogers is also a personal favorite of mine although uh i recently went back and found the original audio stories that buck rogers was based on uh let me look it up Mm -hmm. really quick for our dear listeners so while you're listening to it now, you'll realize there's no pause between when Ken said, let me quickly look it up and let you know, to when you hear him say, ah, oh, here's the information I was looking for. But in the meantime, there is a lot of downtime that may be filled by me talking. Who knows? 
So uh, yeah, so it was uh, Armageddon 29, Armageddon 24, 1980. There's actually a well-produced version of that on LibriVox. Wow, dated stuff. Um, there's a lot of uh, older ideas and mindset because it's a pretty old series. So if you're from the 40s, right? Uh, earlier than that, um, from uh, 1928. Wow. Yeah, so it is old. Um there was a uh, follow-up as well, but you can get both on uh, LibriVox, and the people that read that are actually very nice. We'll put that in the show notes if you're interested. There's a lot of uh, 1920s author mentality in it, we'll just say. If you are a uh, person who is easily offended, maybe you should just skip that series. Uh, there's lots of uh, Western European 1920s attitude in it. Um, and it's not the implicit racism kind of stuff, but it's basically racism against Foreigners. persons of Asian descent. Yeah. well yeah the whole enemy in the concept of that and you know and and historically i mean this is a whole nother podcast episode we could talk about was horse historically the united states was very isolationist at this time and so fear of other was a huge aspect of our culture well you know what i'll tell you what i think this is a perfect time to close this down because otherwise we're you know as old guys we will end up talking for hours uh yep it'll be past our bedtime it'll just be all bad yeah right and then you know ken's got to take his little blue pill and uh it's a a really big blue pill these days so that's a suppository right yeah i don't think you're supposed (laughs) to take those orally ken For some reason, it says equine size on my first <laughs> pill. Yeah, just big pat of butter, peanut butter to help it go down. Anyway, yeah, oh yeah. As always, it was a pleasure. Yes, sir, Patrick. It's been good, and I look forward to having a, a similar conversation with you next time. All right, I hope everybody enjoyed it. This has been It's Time for Lunch.